The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Welcome to Dynamic Healing with two experts in chronic pain, David Hanscom and Les Aria. This podcast will show you how to unlock your body's ability to heal. Just breathe and learn how to rewire your brain and break free from chronic pain. Welcome to Dynamic Healing Podcast. I'm Les Aria. And I'm David Hanscom. And today, folks, we have an interesting topic and also a very powerful topic called What is Love? So today's topic is about, there are many concepts about the meaning of the word love. However, there's this amazing person called Anthony DeMello, and in his book, The Way to Love, condenses it down to one word, awareness. So let me read a quote from his book, and this is a book I read, I've been reading this for 15 years, maybe one or two pages a day, just to catch a thought for the day. But here's a couple of sentences. Love springs from awareness. It is only in as much as you can see someone as he or she really is here and now, and not as they are in your memory or in your desire. Yeah. Wow. Something um, something that's hard to practice. I got to tell you this. So, so, so Les, I'm working on seeing you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Folks, you know it's going to be but a it's, it's hard. To, it's hard to see with this reflection off your forehead. <laughs> Hey, listen, that's not love, man. You criticize you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, okay. So, all right. All right, folks. So one of the things we want to achieve today um, is that as funny as David and I try to be here is this is this is an important topic. We're focusing on what love is and what love is not. Um, and also we want to address the, um, in later um, episodes, we're addressing the physiology, uh, the impact of love has on us, the power of it that is, and especially in its healing effects. So aware, what's tricky about the human condition is that there's no reward in the animal kingdom, including, including humans, for being vulnerable. And being vulnerable, though, is at the core of human relationships, and that's based on becoming aware. So awareness is at the core of successful human relationships, yet relationships are the most powerful triggers. So instead of being an opportunity to heal in a place of nurture and joy, they're often additional sources of stress and pain. And this is particularly magnified in the presence of chronic pain. Yeah. Well, it's true. Many of my patients and our patients, David, is that whenever I ask my patients and I see them usually the initial intake and ask them this question, besides your back or whatever that you, they come to me for, the neck pain, the fibromyalgia, I often ask them what else is hurting in your life and it's so intriguing in my 20 years of practice, I can actually put stress or psychosocial stressors into three bins, people, places, and things. And people basically has to do with the relationship with yourself that you have and how critical you are and perfectionistic and demanding you are of yourself. And I also noticed that, uh, again, three, three categories, people, places, and things. I've realized stress can be put into those three categories. The people part is, besides your relationship with yourself, is, is how people treat you also in your family. And David has been right about this. Um, you know, I, I've known this, but he's, we've really highlighted this um, in our conversations. And David has pointed out that the reality is this is we can really do good work with people, but when they go back home or when they enter into their relationships, they get triggered all over again. 
And we've been talking about this in for a while off um, offline here. And David, I think you're really right. Is I, I never realized how much family members can trigger us and we can trigger family members. And when someone's trying to heal from chronic pain and doing the work that we teach them to do, it's pretty hard. It's like going back into the trenches. Um, they don't receive the love they want. They feel um, critical, uh, criticized by their spouses, family members. And uh, and it's also both ways, right? It's just not one way. So it's a, it's a powerful topic to address in the next few episodes. Well, I think we can work this in a little bit today's podcast about why families are just powerful triggers. But we did find out in our practice, people could get a lot better with the tools that you and I use as far as relaxation, mindfulness, expressive writing, forgiveness, etc. But they go home and the family would sabotage the whole thing. And families resist change, their behavioral patterns. We also found out with just not that much structure, you could completely reverse the process. So families became the most powerful force pulling people out of chronic pain. So it went both ways. So what we're focusing on today is what is what what love is and not what it's not. And so we'll talk about the physiology later. We're also talking about positive transference, which love is not. We get confused about that. And so um, we're basically trying to just define awareness today, which to me is being fully present in the moment that you're in. So Les, you want to talk about what happens when you're anxious or angry? Uh, you mean when you are, David? <laughs> So, all right, sorry, that was that was not okay. Um, you know, one of the things... So I'm going to give you some humor lessons, but we'll work oh, on that. Did you hear, folks, did you hear the silence in between that remark? <laughs> it was like, David, just breathe. <laughs> all right, sorry, David, we're back on again. All right, so anytime, um, you know, one of the things that's very powerful for me that, uh, you know, I experienced also recently is that whenever, whenever I am... Not, I don't realize when I'm angry or my patients alike is when I'm angry or anxious. My tone of voice when I'm interacting with someone, I don't realize I'm actually in the past. Um, and then when I get really anxious, David, I, I notice that um, I'm often in the future. And sometimes, um, I'm not sure how you folks experience this, or David, but whenever we are really caught up in our thoughts and emotions and sensations, um, we're somewhere in zip lining. We're really, really ziplining. And um, one of the things with the ziplining is we do mental time traveling. And very often I'm not aware of mental time traveling because I get caught up in my thoughts and my emotions. And very often when the when the aftermath happens after maybe the remarks are exchanged, um, I realized that I was really drunk in my thoughts and I was really not in the present moment, which comes back to what you're saying is awareness is just being in the present moment right here as we are as we as as the other person is but very often we get so anxious and angry about a situation it's because we're triggered by past events that we have encoded inside of us and programmed so <clears throat> right and so humans are unique compared to other mammals is that we have language and consciousness so humans are completely dependent on their parents for physical survival for probably at least six years, maybe up to eight years. And certainly for the first two or three years, we're very dependent on our parents, where most mammals are actually independent more quickly than that. So that's part of the equation. But then our mental development, it goes on forever. And we don't really get deep abstract thinking until our early 20s. You know, it's a, it's a definitely big process. So humans give meaning to everything. 
We're programmed by our parents, particularly, then our siblings, marketing, teachers, peers. Everybody's telling us who we should be. We're always trying to live up to these expectations that people place on us. Then also we internalize them and we do those ourselves. But we're programmed to survive. So we know how to physically survive, even though our physical survival skills aren't great sometimes, but we're here. You were physically here. This species of humans has learned to physically survive. But mentally, we're relatively new in that consciousness is about 70 or 80,000 years old. Language is relatively new. So we don't really know how to navigate emotional landscape. So we can change our physical environment to stay safe or we don't survive. But mentally, we can be all over the map and still physically survive but mentally we're in chaos. So unfortunately, mental pain has the same effect on our bodies as physical threats. We have the same physio physiological response. So we're always looking out for danger. I call it your personal brain scanner. So anytime you're anxious or frustrated, something right now, something somebody said or did or whatever, kicked up something from the past that was either perceived as dangerous or was dangerous. And so you're in the past, you're not right now. But they might lying on the beach on vacation, having a beer, whatever you drink, and you're just relaxing the sun, just enjoying that moment. But how often does your brain go to your boss, your finances, your children, or maybe on vacations, which I find ironic and disturbing, including my own family? So all of a sudden, your family vacation, and you're with people you love, and then you start triggering each other. So how can you enjoy your day? if yeah. you're frustrated with your family on vacation. So your brain takes you right out of the present moment. Yeah. So it's a learn, and that's normal. I mean, that's what the brain's supposed to do is look out for danger, whether it's real or perceived. So it's a learned skill. And this is where I've learned a lot from you, Les, in your, in your treatments of physiological monitoring of how to regulate your responses so you actually stay in the present moment. And I'll say one more thing before before I actually let you talk. <laughs> You're, doing You're doing a good job listening this morning, Dr. Aria. Um, Thank you, sir. <laughs> but the problem is when you're triggered, and when, again, triggered means you're anxious or frustrated by definition. We may not feel triggered, but we do now know that the activity, activity and blood supply of your brain changes from the thinking centers down to the survival centers. And that's why people end up doing, when they're triggered, they actually end up doing things to people that they love, that aren't very nice. That's not who you are. It's your survival brain coming into play. And so you're not thinking correctly. So you, you've completely lost awareness when you're anxious and you've really lost it when you're angry. Anyway, would you like to talk Dr. Arya? <laughs> yeah, sure. You know, as, as you were saying that, uh, what came to mind was this is, I, I think it is so, it's so amazing that uh, folks, I'm not sure, as you're listening to this, think about the last time when you lost your cool. And David, an audience, check this out. Whenever I notice, whenever I start getting irritated or angry or frustrated, um, that's not the real emotion. I'm, but I'm not aware of that. So let me let me walk this back a little bit. Very often, when we come from a place of anger, like someone not loving us the way we want them to love us or talk to us a certain way, or we get angry, uh, parents, if you've got kids in college or teens, you know, little ones, uh, even adults for that matter, when you realize they're not doing something that's you know, um, helpful or moving them towards the way you want them to move towards something successful or, or helpful, we notice that our tone of voice changes. It's because very often when we get triggered, as David said, we're not in the past. Check. Got that. Number two, 
very often when we're really angry, we're actually very fearful. When a car cuts you off on the road, we often kind of sigh with the fear, like <gasps> when a car nearly hits us. And then when the car takes off and zips in between traffic, we get really pissed off. Notice there was a primary emotion, which was fear of being hit. And then we lose our crap, right? We kind of get mad. Very often when we express anger, it's really deeper than anger. It's really fear. When a parent chases after a toddler who breaks free from the front door and runs into the street thinking it's funny as the child looks back at the mother uh, or a parent or a father, and when the mother or father catches up to the toddler on why the child broke through the front door thinking it's funny to be chased, that was fear in the parent. And then by the time we catch up, it shifts from fear to anger. And that's my point right now. Very often when we experience a lot of anger or fear, it's the opposite if we take, we take a look at it. And regardless whether which came first. So when I'm angry, I'm actually coming from a place of fear. And when I'm in fear, I'm actually coming from a place of anger. And the point here is this, besides awareness is needed, it is very, very mesmerizing that we get drunk in that moment, we get triggered, and we're really not in the present because we're actually operating from a different timeline. Right. No, absolutely. And remember, anxiety and anger are physiological states. It changes your entire body. Every cell is full of new chemicals, new inflammatory markers, et cetera. Just a total body reaction situation. So I just want to dive in really quickly into the family issues as far as why are families such deep triggers? Yeah. Okay. Because I mean, it. so all of us really use the word family in a positive way, nurturing, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> right now, there's one survey done 30 years ago where half of parents were not happy they became parents, 50%. That's pretty high. And then we've all watched, um, and I'm, I'm not about just families that are have lived together, you can be alone, these are your close friends and relatives. So I just want to talk about close relationships. Let's put it in those terminology here. But what happens in close relationships, you have to be vulnerable to be open. All somebody steps on your toes inadvertently, and you just get triggered. Mm -hmm. So when you're vulnerable, you have to allow yourself to be triggered and be okay with it. Let it pass, don't act on it. But our deepest programming comes from our environment, our parents. Yeah. And so we both know, I can know two people right now whose mothers are in their 90s and the mothers and daughters are still triggering the heck out of each other. That makes no sense. It's because yeah. it, guess what? It's not a rational reaction. Remember, this is a survival brain. And so 90 years later, you're still being triggered. Think about it. I think how illogical it is, but triggers are deep. They're permanent. They started right from birth and they're the most powerful force that takes you out of your present moment. Yeah, David, it does. And and the part that I'm most blown away with um, what you're saying here is this is we know sometimes more often than not what triggers us, what our spouse, our children, our siblings, family members, we know we, we get triggered. So this uh, this is the part I wanted to point out, a third thing I wanted to point out to the audience members. Sorry, remind me the first two again. I'm sorry. Yeah. So the first thing is awareness. Right. And the second thing is that because very often we're not aware when something unfolds in us until it's over. Right. Um, the second thing is basically is when we are not in the present moment, we're really operating from 
sort of what I call a timeline, like a, a zip line from the past into the future. Um, we're kind of, it's as if we're drunk in those emotions. Right. And we're drunk literally as if with alcohol is that we really don't make rational decisions. We don't say the right things because we're coming all from a place of emotions. And a lot of this comes from a place of fear is what I'm trying to say. Right. So basically the first thing is awareness. Second thing is basically we tend to have mental time uh, travel is what I call it. Right. Because we, we're just caught up. So when we're triggered, we are no longer in the present moment, which goes back to the first point. First point is, is it's really important that most of the time we're not aware when, when a trigger happens and then we're in the middle of it, then it's over. Um, and then the second point is basically we do a lot of mental time traveling. Um, the third point I also wanted to emphasize is this, is this is the third point. The third point is this, is when, when we are feeling this overwhelming sensation of anger, sadness, whatever the strong emotion we're feeling towards a family member, is the part is this, we actually don't have control over that. Right. So, and, and, this is the, and this is the hard part to, this is the most frustrating part for myself and my patients is this, is when we get triggered, most of us don't want to be triggered, but we have no control over what triggers us. Correct. Yes, you can protect yourself by not talking to the person. And yes, you can bite your tongue and not say what you want to say and say, you know, I'm really mad at you. And, or, and yes, we can give them a piece of our mind. But the problem with that is this is, you are trying to control something that you have no control over. And when you right. try to control something you have no control over, it tends to get worse. It's kind of like, I never want to be like my dad and I end up being like my dad, you know? Well, he programmed you. Yes. I mean, it doesn't matter what he said, you're imitating his actions. And of course, when you're a child, the only way you can survive um, is with, um, you know, with imitating your parents. That's how you, they survived, you're going to survive. So it doesn't right. matter what they say or preach to you, it's how they act. Right, exactly. So I want to jump to the solution for a second because we're going to be unpacking this over the next a lot of episodes. We're going to be really going into a lot of detail. Um, but um, the thing is, as far as the solution, that's what's so interesting about this whole process is that we're going to jump right into the story and then we're going to keep unpacking this and unpacking it and unpacking it. But Demel's point is just pure awareness. Okay, so you have to recognize when you're unaware, anxious or frustrated, or let's say you're exuberantly happy about something in the future. Again, you're out of the moment. That's positive transference as opposed to negative transference. So in our brains, exactly what you said, we have no control over our brains wandering, going all over the map. So to me, one of the most critical parts of awareness is be is understanding, okay, I'm triggered, I'm unaware. So I'm gonna, so DeMello, and I didn't used to think this, but if you think about this correctly, and we'll talk about this later, is that DeMello suggests that awareness is actually all you need is to heal. Now that's easy and hard because I probably spent my entire first 55 years of my life being completely unaware. I was attached to my self-esteem, my achievements, my accomplishments, my ideals, which are all labels. So they're a construct of David Hanscom, but they're not actually David Hanscom. And so when you when you label somebody else, you've lost awareness because you projected your concept of yourself onto them because of something they said or did or where they look. 
So when you're criticizing yourself, maybe being self-critical, you've also lost awareness. So I spent my entire life, in fact, I used to, my mantra was that if you don't have your ideals, you don't have anything. Wow. Well, that's not true. Joseph yeah. Paul made a comment that idealism is dangerous. I'm going, what are you talking about? Yeah, that's well, rigidity. You focus on ideals and things where you should be or where other people should be, yeah. and you get upset when they don't meet that ideal, right. you truly lost awareness because you're projecting, projecting, projecting. <clears throat> so what we're going to try and pack here, and again, my just when I read Dr. DeMello's book this morning, it just always wakes me right up. I mean, he is so clear about attachment, about triggers and emotions, and he just cuts right down to it. It's really interesting. So I'm going to, so there's a lot to talk about here. We just, I, will, I do want to, at the end of the program, just offer a bit of a solution here. Just one, there's, there's multiple ways of dealing with this, but we're trying to talk about, I think he talks about the, um, I, I forget the terminology, but awareness is a very, very powerful tool. In fact, it may be the only tool you need. Yeah, and I think let's um, let's kind of do that and have that brief discussion here. It's a training. It's a skill like a language. I will say this. I've been teaching acceptance and commitment therapy for a while, and, uh, and David has been practicing that too and, and teaching that um, in, in his own style. Here's this, folks, uh, which I want to go back to my to my that third point I make. We really have no control when we get triggered. And um, one of the signs and clues I recognize when I'm triggered is when my tone of voice maybe goes up, when I tend to talk a little faster. Um, I like what you just said a few seconds ago. Basically, when you're triggered, you need to figure out what are your familiarity cues. So for example, mine are when I tend, my, my words tend to be terse. When I'm terse, when I, uh, it goes back to the idealism is how things must be and should be. Right. When I am hearing thoughts and out of my own mouth, it says if someone took over, this is what I'm saying is, is it's, this is the frustrating part for myself. I'm not sure if anyone out there in Boonie land can identify with what we're saying here is this is, I'm so frustrated with myself sometimes when we get triggered. And it's almost like there's something else that takes over. And that's something that else that takes over is, is in service of our survival. So what David is saying, and what I'm also saying is this, is the awareness thing is true. And we want to acknowledge it's tough stuff. It's like a language. So if awareness is the road to healing and opening and opening the portal of love to be able to to be less judgmental and to do less time traveling, then it requires us to practice the skill. And this is why I've realized this whenever I am not consistent with my mindfulness meditation practice, because that's something I found out that when I really do take even five to 10 minutes on a daily basis and longer throughout the day, if I don't do that, I notice that I tend to be more reactive. And that's a second clue besides kind of having your voice raised, you need to figure out your triggers. My triggers are very often when I speak fast and I'm reactive without kind of pausing. Another one is this is when David just nailed the second one that I'm very familiar when I'm caught up in my thoughts or mental time traveling is when we become opinionated on how things must be and should be. Right. Um, and so what I'm, what I'm trying to say to the audience is this is when we get triggered is the skill that we need to practice is being aware that we are triggered and that's the part. So awareness is important. And I'm saying that we need to have a skill set to practice. And this is what where mindful meditation comes in. 
But this is also the catch-22 of the human existence, is that when you're triggered, angry, angry, anxious, the blood supply goes from your thinking brain to the midbrain. And so when you're angry, it actually blocks the key to getting back to awareness. You know, it's a very serious catch-22 because you're right, it's automatic, it's powerful, much stronger than your conscious brain. So when you're in that state of mind, it actually blocks your capacity to get back to it. So I'm going to offer some rough suggestions here that we'll unpack a little bit later, but I think the first step in becoming aware is just simply knowing when you're unaware. Anxious, frustrated, I can feel really, in fact, when I'm angry, I feel like I'm hyper alert. I feel like I'm super aware and I get triggered really badly about a week ago and I just know, okay, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to watch this. And sure enough, take about, took me about five days to come out of this mode. Yeah. And I'm looking back at what triggered me and I'm going, well, this was nonsense. It's all, all based on my own stories, the way things should be. Yeah. So I think a huge factor in awareness is recognizing that a lot of our lives that we aren't aware, we are triggered. That's the way the brain works. It's always looking out for danger. So as far as tools going forward, I've just got a couple of quick suggestions. I, I like to talk about, you know, see what lessons are today. These aren't detailed suggestions, but one of them is, is that Becoming aware of your unawareness. Anytime you're anxious or frustrated, just tell yourself, I am not in awareness. That's just a simple tool. And so then I think what Les talked about, that, okay, I'm, I'm simply not aware. Now sit back in your chair, do a little mindfulness work, get connected to current physical sensations, which will calm you down. And what happens, you switch sensory input and mindfulness changes your body's chemistry and your brain starts coming back online. Then you have a higher chance of actually coming back into awareness. But the one thing I'll say, um, believe it or not, Les, I will stop talking again. <laughs> we talked about this a couple of times called five, three, two, five words, three words, two words. When you're angry or frustrated, and there's lots of disguises of frustration, by the way, is um, the first five words are no action and a reaction. And again, this week made a huge difference in my life. We're just saying, okay, I'm triggered. I'm triggered. Then when my triggering stopped or came lower, I still wanted to take action, which I didn't. So the first thing is no action and a reaction because it's based on your triggers and your concepts, not necessarily on your real needs and what the other person needs are. The second three words is flip the switch. So anger is powerful. It's not going to go away. It's a gift. It protects us. So instead of, so at some point, okay, I've been in a victim role long enough. I'm just done. I'm going to move in a different direction. So the second, second sentence, three words, flip the switch. Then the third line, two words, move on, get on with your day. So I may differ with you in this a little bit less or maybe a lot, but historically people spend a lot of time identifying the triggers. I'm triggered because of this, this, and this. And the problem is you're going backwards in a way. And I just want to learn the skill of processing the triggers. Okay, I'm triggered. Maybe it was my mother when I was five years old. It doesn't matter because I'm triggered right now. So to me, it's just a learned skill of becoming aware of unawareness and then becoming aware that I'm triggered and then just letting it pass. I mean, there's a lot of ways to do, to do that also. And then just get on with my day. So those are my personal suggestions yeah. at this point in our discussion about how to deal with the family triggers. Yeah, no, absolutely. As you were speaking, uh, I agree with you on that one. So absolutely. However, a lot of a lot of things, there, there are two, two things here if you keep in mind here. It's very often we get triggered by our family members. That's one one domain. The other domain is we get triggered. Um, we trigger our family members. Right. So all right. So now, and what happens at that point here is this: is a lot of my patients 
have are not getting their needs met from love and attention and, and support. And uh, they feel it's almost like now they're, they're spouses and family and kids. It's almost like uh, everyone has fallen out of love in that sense. Um, they're just going to go through the motions. And so my thing here is this is um, I want to share this with everyone is no matter how, how much, uh, med- how many meditation practices you have or um, how much, time you spend kind of doing this is when you get triggered it's a biological mechanism of survival so right. i think i want to give people to release yourself from shame and guilt because i david and i speak about this very openly is we both get triggered by different things in our lives and when something is mild to moderate very often uh, you're able to do what david does um, when something is very moderate to severe something that's very more meaningful to us maybe um, something that's more of a sensitive topic, whether it's finances or love or intimacy and things like that, or, you know, just the past issues and struggles. My point here is this, when we get triggered, it's easier to be able to drop into a breath when it's mild to moderate, to be able to walk, walk through things. However, very often things that are very triggering for me is they tend to be moderate to severe. And when it shows up, it is very difficult to step away from it because it's unfolding because it has a sense of severity and urgency. What I'm trying to say to everyone is you're not responsible for what shows up. You're, you are responsible to how you show up to what showed up and that's the skill. And that's the skill of awareness and that's the skill of compassion and forgiveness to yourself. Very often when I get frustrated with my kids or a family member or a colleague or friend, is, you know, I realized that that's not how I wish to be. And so one of the things that I give is I forgive myself for that I was activated and that that has to do with me. I was resp- I am responsible for my triggers, as David would say. Uh, and David has spoken about this in a previous episode where, you know, when, some, when we get triggered, whose responsibility is it? Yes, it's ours. And it's great if we can have a spouse or a partner or a family member be able to kind of forgive us when we tend to be overreactive. This is why it takes a two-way street. So it's not just about us. It's always another an entity inside. But ultimately, what my message to everyone is this, is, is awareness is like a skill, a language that we must practice. Figure out, notice, become aware of, pun was intended, on when you are no longer in the present moment. And when you are finding yourself activated through mood shifts, tension in your body, your tone of voice, your posturing, uh, you're holding your breath. All these are clues that you're no longer in the present and the past is going to show up. And we're going to flood ourselves and our partners with certain things and often from a place of fear or unexpressed emotions. So be kind to yourselves, be aware. And number two, we will talk about the episodes to come on a few more skills and how to loosen the grip of the mind and its storylines. So that way you can actually have the most vital life possible. So in summary today, we talked about awareness, basically being fully present in the present moment. In time you're anxious or frustrated, you're simply not in the present moment by definition, but you you have to just intellectually recognize that because you won't be able to really deal with it when you're actually triggered. And then remember when you're anxious or angry, you're acting from the midbrain, not the frontal lobe of your brain. Yeah. When you take action in a triggered state, you may do things that you regret later, which damages relationships, Yeah, especially in the presence of chronic pain, which is brutal in the household. Yeah. And so programs survive. Our brain's going to help us survive. It's a gift. 
but it doesn't really help relationships. So today we're focusing on the word awareness, what it means is the essence of love. So DeMello uses the word awareness and love in the same exact terms. And so you have to understand who people are, what your needs are, what their needs are. And next episode, we're, we're talking about four different types of awareness. But Anthony DeMello suggests that awareness may be all you need to heal. And he may be right. I mean, I used to really resist his book a lot because he's pretty blunt. And we're going to be using his book as the basis of our discussions going forward on the family because it is about relationships. Yeah. And so I was super excited in the last couple of years of my practice seeing how powerful the family was bringing people out of pain. But it wasn't just the patient, the whole family would come out of pain. It was incredibly energizing and inspiring. Really, it was the most rewarding part of my career without family issues. Yeah. And then it's so beautiful. Let's, yeah. David, Thank you. Uh, um, we're just barely starting this topic and yeah. uh, um, we're excited about it. And there's not a lot written about this. And we're actually learning from each other as we go. But yeah, we're excited about this series. Well, folks, we thank you for spending time with us. And we hope that you'll continue to listen to us as the episode unfolds and everything about love and family members and how that impacts us. And Dr. Hanscom, uh, thanks for not triggering me because I was going to blame you if I got triggered. <laughs> so I guess this blows off that <laughs> topic for today. But folks, on a serious note, is um, one of the things I love about David is this is um, he's so accountable as, as I try to be as best as I can. It's helpful <laughs> to have friends and family members who are just aware of their own triggers. Until next time. Dr. Hanscom, thanks for letting me have the last word. Well, as I do want to say one more thing. Oh, actually, oh there you go. <laughs> I can't resist. <laughs> no, I mean, you hear us talking the podcast and we banter back and forth, et cetera, et cetera. But we also have some very blunt conversations about yeah. topics that maybe we were triggered with each other. And maybe we need to actually proactively address issues that could be triggering. So yeah, it's not just about being aware and having fun, which does result when you're aware. Right. But you have to be aware of the pitfalls. So yeah, no, we get very blunt conversations about what might or might not be a problem and we've sort of made a pact to do that again that's one of the tools that we'll talk about going forward about awareness is clarity and not running from issues just head, dealing with them head on yeah so anyway yeah. Uh, that's a whole other podcast of course but anyway thanks for your time today and let's i think i did get the last word today mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, David and Les would love to hear from you about today's podcast and any ideas for future topics. You can email them at david-les at dynamichealingpodcast.com. That's david-les at dynamichealingpodcast.com.